In this episode of the Team Superdad podcast, I chat with sword fighting, comedian, stuntman and three-time husband, mindset master, John Davis. This guy was too perfect. Roll theme. Welcome to Team Superdad. Real dads creating their best lives ever. More time, more money, more fun. You are not alone. You're on Team Superdad. Hey dads, family, friends, members around the world. Welcome to the Team Superdad podcast. It is great to have you back. This is one of our whis. This is one of our interview, chit-chat, conversational episodes. And today I've got a guy on called John Davis, who I won't tell you too much about because it happens at the intro of our conversation. But he's too perfect. He's simply too perfect. And he looks a bit like Don DeLuise, who was Captain USA in the Cannonball Run. So we had quite a laugh chatting about that beforehand. (laughs) I love my 80s, 90s movies reference. If you are familiar with Team Superdad, then you will know that we are helping dads create their best lives ever, working in the F5, which is focus, fitness, finance, family and fun. And depending on when you're listening to this, we are about to start the next Focused and Happy Dad Challenge. This is our free five day challenge that we do. Uh, It is an intro into the Hero Academy and our paid programs, but it's also a complete piece of work where you will really get to reconnect with what you want for your life, uh, to have some breakthroughs in your levels of fun and communication with your loved ones. Really just a time to check in, to feel great about yourself and to put a smile back on your face and to those that matter the most to you. It's totally free. So come on over to teamsuperdad.com forward slash happy dad and either register for an upcoming one or get ready to start next week. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it, like it, comment on it, pass it around and let's get as many new members into the Team Superdad community over on Facebook. And you can go to teamsuperdad.com and get a free link, which if you go to start here, you'll get a link to the podcast, a link to the Facebook group. You'll basically get everything you need. So head on over there. And as always, let's get on with the show. John Davis. It's a great conversation. I can't wait for you to uh, to have as much fun listening as I did recording. Catch you later. Welcome, welcome. It is great to have you all here. And as you can see, if you're watching the live, we are joined today by John Davis, uh, a friend from America. Um, and I say friend because we've just been chatting and now I feel like we're friends. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, like I said, though, in the in the intro, uh, a stuntman, a comedian, and a guy who's got a program all about the, your inner action hero. This is the per- this is a match made in heaven. I'm so glad to to have you on the show today. How are you, John? I am doing great. I'm a little cold here in Akron, Ohio. Uh, what? So uh, that's like Midwest sort of area, not far from. Well, a few hundred miles from Chicago, I think, yeah. where my family are. Well, yeah, a few hundred miles. We're about, and we're, and today we're having our, our, I believe it's our twentieth snowstorm of the season. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I know good. from Chicago they got the coldest, coldest snap and the most snow since two thousand and five or something. Which yeah, tomorrow we're supposed to have a low of negative six Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> for, for our celsius friends that includes me um that just means really cold basically right 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 really really cold <laughs> that means i'm staying inside tomorrow <laughs> blimey well uh it's 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 you can hardly call the snow we've had in the uk any comparison but uh, it is a little bit of snow outside so that's nice to nice to have so anyone that knows me well knows that as far as my movie passions go uh, it's basically action films, comedies, and maybe a bit of sci-fi, but 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 not on the heavy sci-fi. No rom-coms. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, rom-coms. Yeah, totally. That goes fully in there. Basically, safe. I like I like to I like to get to the end of the movie and be smiling. Basically. There you go. There you go. As long as you're yeah. smiling at the end, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Feel good. Um, uh, Disney kind of happy ending. Live live happily ever after. Uh, John Hughes, obviously I'm a, a child of the 80s, so <laughs> definitely no horror films. 
But oh, yeah, I'm not a horror film person either. I just I define I find they get lazy on their scripting myself. It just scares me basically. Right. But uh, but tell tell obviously. Oh, but before we get into that, you're a, you're a need to introduce ourselves properly. Um, uh, t- just go for that. Do do give us your introduction, and then we'll ask you about your your dad life as well. All right. Well, I am uh, John Davis, uh, the corporate action hero, comedy stuntman, fight director, uh, college professor, uh, theme park director, uh, and guy who is the proud father of a seventeen year old kid who is giving me whole new lessons in hormones. <laughs> <laughs> well i've got that with a nine and 11 year old mm. a nine year old girl and 11 year old boy of course didn't occur to me that they would have puberty at the same time so. <laughs> but that's what's happening uh, good luck to you my son <laughs> yeah. um but thankfully and i take this as as in basically inspiration particularly from my american family um and my relationship with with my folks uh a real endeavor to stay as close and not just be friend, friend, you know, like stay as close as we possibly can have as much fun together, talk a lot. uh, And so that our relationship is, is, is close and real for as long as we can to, to uh, uh, through each stage of their lives, because it's really easy when they were little kids because they just run along behind and have fun. Now they've got views of their own, but, but I find each stage takes about six months to adjust. And then, oh, and, then sure. I, and then I've relearned them. I discovered that for me, it, it really took giving a lot of uh, positive reinforcement because by giving as much positive reinforcement as I could, when I had to give a negative, it, it meant more. So my father used to say, um, you know, one oh crap wipes out a thousand attaboys. Right. But you yeah. got to give the thousand attaboys because if you don't give the thousand, because right now, if my son messes up, I can literally go, excuse me. And everything stops. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Because he knows if I say, if I say, excuse me like that, that means I'm not happy. And for the most of the time, I'm just telling him how great he is. So. No, I, I really hear that. Totally. I, I say to my kids, like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to let so much go. And then you're going to, and then you're going to hit my line. And like at that line, I am strict as hell. Right. Right. And, and there's also, also an accountability factor with my, with all the COVID-19 and virtual schooling. Um, I found that I had to look at the, at his schooling from the aspect of, I need to make sure he's on top of this. So, um, I go into his, his, uh, online classes and I look at his grades and what he's doing and what he has and hasn't done. Yeah. I stay right on top of it. And I, and I tell him flat out, I said, I'm doing this. I need you to know that I'm, I'm here to make sure that you get this right. And yeah. he's totally appreciative. We, we totally have open communication about that. And it's funny because, me, I'm I, I'm a theater dad. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an actor. I'm a, a very artistic person. He is a complete engineer minded person with an extreme skills in mathematics. And it's at a point now where he actually mocks me for my bad math. So we have a great kind of fun relationship back and That's forth. That's brilliant. <laughs> like the yin and the yang. That must be a, a you'll be great on a desert island or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> When, and uh, before we get into all the other stuff, I just did touching on your on your marriage life, John. Uh, how many times have you been married? Well, they call me Triple X because I have three of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, and don't get me wrong, that's not a that's not a bad thing. I, you know, you know, I learned a lot in those marriages. One of the things that I learned, and in every one of them, was that I I need to make sure that I remain who I am rather than giving myself up for somebody else. And when I, when I was going in and they would have great expectations, it's a matter of, you know, loving unconditionally or conditionally. I was loving unconditionally and they had a lot of conditions. And so in the end of, end of that, those relationships, I'm actually better off now because after all three of those, I'm now a much more rounded person. And, um, you know, if I ever get into another relationship again, which I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for that, but I'm going to make sure that the, um, the whoever I get involved with like, loves me for me rather than what they want me to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for myself, I have a quite a poor track record in terms of success. Um, so I now have a, a fairly committed committee of people who I've had to promise <laughs> that they will be allowed to vet mm-hmm. any future serious relationship. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's well, that's good. That's good that you've got that 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 firewall there to protect you. Yeah, <laughs> the virus. <laughs> yeah. Well, but here's a good question for you: Is huh? do you did and you can tell me to naff off if you want, but was there a point in those marriages where you feel like you could have left sooner oh, and yeah. it would have been better for you? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. My, my, my last marriage uh, was a very interesting one. And I discovered very quickly that I was, was literally just being used for my skills. In fact, she used to tell people, they'd say, well, how's your, what's your husband like? And she would say, he's useful. Right. And I and I was uh, taking care of her, her mentally ill aunt and I was doing it while she was on the road working. Right. And so it, it turned out that I was literally just the one who was picking up the slack for her. And I, that went on for five years. Yeah. And and, you know, I could have easily left that. The, the first my first wife, um, she was severely bipolar. And I, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys that when I when I speak that oath, I mean it and I'm going to stick with it. And so uh, we were going through some very serious um, mental issues and I was in it for the long haul, no matter what, because that's my word is good. Um, And, you know, when that finally, when she left me, I was, I was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) You know, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, And my second, my second wife, the one who is the the mother of my child, um, if I was going to say anything, she was the love of that part of my life for many, many years. She was, we were together for a long time. And, um, she, um, she had some, some things where in her past, her, she had some control issues. And so there was a lot of controlling issues that, that made her constantly look for reinforcement and she would miss, she would mistake, um, reinforcement for um um what's infatuation so she would look outside the marriage and find things to be infatuated about and so being in that one for as long as i was you know i could have seen some of that we were both of us by the end of that marriage were very depressed yeah 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 Yeah, and that's 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 a a healthy uh awareness to have um and i you know when i'm working with with dads and i'm really just sharing my experience and it, it's okay that a marriage, of course, we gave our vows and of course, it's important to be committed to them. But I've come to realize as well that it, it's okay to consider that when that chapter reaches its end, it's okay to, to, to close the book, to move on to the, to move on to the next chapter. You said it perfectly. We are all writing the, the book of our life and the books are always filled with chapters and the, the issue is we get to decide whether we're writing a comedy, a tragedy, an adventure story. You know, we get to look at that and, and, and decide what we're, what we're creating into our experience. The thing is, is when you, when you close a chapter, your next chapter starts a new idea and a new direction. And if your past wasn't a, a good chapter, it's time to rewrite it towards a positive direction. And when you look at it from a scientific uh, mind, mindset sort of situation, your, your past is just, um, snapshots of present moment memories, right? And your future is just a place where you set goals for your next present moment. But your present moment is the only moment you're truly experiencing. It's the only moment that you're truly active. I mean, you can't go to the store next Thursday right now, and you can't go to the store last Thursday right now. You can only go to the store right now. So it's best to make this present moment the best it can be. The issue that I see is that people sit in their present moment and they're focused on getting to somewhere else. And the reality of it is that outcome that they're trying to get to that's over there doesn't, you don't get to it. It comes to you dependent upon what you do here and now, you know, it's moving towards you, not, you're not moving towards it. And so you need to make sure you're making small, successful present moments. So then those moments can stack behind you and create these successful moments behind you. And then that future can come to you because that present moment is the only one you have to create anything. Yeah, that's a really beautiful picture. Um, small, consistent actions building towards the future you you want to achieve. Right. And uh, and I know from from those relationship situations that to fall in love and to be in love and to have a child and to grow that family and to be in those goals together is brilliant. But but when it's time, if if you're not aligned anymore, then don't drag each other down for five years. Right. Um, <laughs> well, you know, and and I was raised Catholic, and yeah. 
uh, and I'm no longer Catholic. I consider myself spiritual, not religious. But my mother, she she was so Catholic, she had her master's degree in liturgy and was head of liturgical doctrine at our church. And she was in a marriage that you know spawned seven children. Thank God I was number six, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, at the end of her life, she was she was depressed. She wasn't, wasn't happy. And I was talking to her one day. She said, you know, if I wasn't Catholic, I would have divorced him years ago. You know, yeah. no, I'm grateful she didn't divorce him before I was born. But but, but um, what a terrible, what a terrible way to live her life. Yeah, you know? true. And that. someone, someone for myself as well, I, I, I brought up a Christian, consider myself now also spiritual. I have a, I have a, I have a Christian based faith. Right. I'm all, I'm all okay with God. I'm okay with Jesus being around. Some of the Old Testament I find a little bit questionable, but, you know, I don't see inside of the Bible or any religion where it says you must suffer. Right. And like we are we are on this planet to have a blessed experience. And I think too much of it got caught up in oh. what, what suited society at a time and stay together and don't be on your own and don't be a woman who's got kids with no husband like we, thankfully we're not in those times anymore. A- absolutely. You know, it, it, Jesus, it, you know, the gospel, John says, God is love. Didn't say God is fearful judgment. He said God is love, right? <laughs> God is waking up miserable <laughs> and going to bed miserable. And, and interestingly enough, if you look at what Jesus actually said, he said, it is your faith that heals you. And, and you know, um, he washes disciples feet to show that he was no better than them. He says, greater works than I have done, you will do. Now, here's the thing that I always throw out when I talk spirituality and creating something new into your life. Jesus said, um, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. But if you jump back in the Old Testament, you listen to what Moses said after he talked to the burning bush. The burning bush, when he said, what's your name? The burning bush said, I am. So whatever you're saying after I am is asking for asking God in his name for something. So I, I live my life going, I am blank what am i going to put after that so anything i'm putting after that is is literally what what's being created into my experience yeah. creating possibility moment I am, by moment now the, here's the here's the when i'm coaching someone here's the interesting part is i take words out of the vocabulary and the main words i take out are wanting needing hoping and trying because those words are completely inactive present moment words right yeah i am if you're asking i am wanting then god is going to lovingly give you wanting and that sucks, right? right? Yeah, but, true. But if you're going, I am creating, I am enjoying, I am living, you know, really creative, vibrant, dynamic words after your I am statement. Wow. Yeah. What a great life you're going to live. And I, I'm proof of it. I mean, I, I have been in 30 countries around the world. I laid in the in the sarcophagus of the Great Pyramid of Giza. I climbed Machu Picchu. I climbed um, Mount Sinai. I swam in the Blue Lagoons of Iceland. I've been all over the world and done everything I've ever wanted to do strictly because I said, I am going to do it right now. Can I, can I throw a big story at you? Yeah, cool. One second. Let me just say hi to the people that are messaging on the stuff. Thank you, uh, Mark. We can see there Mark's going in. Hi guys. Another one here, no name, but if you, if you click on the streamyard.com forward slash Facebook, you will get uh, your name shown in lights on the, on the team super dad podcast. Uh, if you're watching on the replay, well, you can see that. If you're listening on the podcast, then you just can't see nothing. I hope you're not <laughs> you're driving or something or cooking dinner, but it's great to have you all here. Mm-hmm. Um, feel free to share, like, comment, and uh, and spread the love across uh, your your socials for Team Superdad. Thank you. Yes, yes, John, tell us your okay. big adventure. Well, because there's so much to get into, right? Right. Stuff well, man, the- comedian, the the the, the flipping uh, I don't know <laughs> the people you must know, the place you've been. So brilliant. I can't wait to hear some of this. Well, going through. I want to tell this story because this story was the impetus for me doing all I did. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. So when I was 22 years old, I wanted to be a stuntman. It was my goal. I wanted to be a stuntman and I was doing stage combat and I was doing, you know, sword fights at Renaissance festivals. And, and uh, I was strong as an ox and just as buff as could possibly be. And what sort of year are we talking uh, 22. So I'm 56 right now. You do the math. My okay. son would do it for you, but I'm, he's not here. <laughs> so you were born like sixties, uh, you know, 63, something like that. 66. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so um, early eighties, you would early eighties, you were starting out on your yeah, acting career. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, um, a friend of mine was a professional pottery, made beautiful pottery, called me up one day, knowing that I was a buff, strong guy, 
young lad. And he said, can you help me unload this clay from the back of my van? I said, sure. So I came over and the, the clay came in 80 pound boxes. And I climbed up in the back of his van. And I picked up an 80 pound box of clay. And when I turned to set the box down, my upper body separated from my lower body and I collapsed and was paralyzed. Um, they took me to the hospital. The doctor said, uh, John, you have spina bifida occulta. I said, Gesundheit. It's like, what the hell is that? (laughs) And uh, he said, well, when you were born, your three of your vertebrae right above your pelvis didn't form properly. He says, when they, you know, when vertebrae form, they come around, they make a donut and it looks like a donut with two hands praying, two flanges. And my hands basically missed on three of the vertebrae. So there were these three wonky vertebrae right above my pelvis. And when I turned with that extra 80 pounds of weight that day, I basically unscrewed my upper spine from my lower spine and I was paralyzed. And I ended up in the hospital and the doctors were saying, you'll never be a stuntman. You'll never be a fight director. You'll never have a physical career. You better find a, something sedentary to do right now, which is death for someone with a, with an, with an actor's mindset like me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, performance mindset. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm in this real depressed state because he's telling me my life is over at 22, but pretty much. And um, someone came in and gave me a book called uh, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do by Bruce Lee. And it, it's um, a book about um, his philosophy of martial arts. It's still the number one selling martial arts book in the world. Found out that Bruce wrote that book when he was in traction in the hospital right after a doctor told him that he would never do martial arts or lift weights again. And so I'm reading this book and I'm, and I'm seeing this whole concept of mental flexibility of keeping your mind in play, right? Bruce would say being like water, an obstacle comes up, the obstacle doesn't stop you. You work your way around it. You work your way through it, but you, you are like water. And so Bruce, after he wrote, he wrote that book while he was in traction and Bruce went on to do every movie we know him from in the, in the world. You know, he was a famous actor in China as a kid, but the movies that we know him from, all the martial arts movies, and even Cato as the Green Hornet, all of that happened after he was in traction in the hospital. So I took that as my sign, and I just started remaining flexible. Doctors wanted to put a pin in my back to make sure my back stayed solid. And I refused the pin because I knew it wouldn't allow me to do a high fall or a roll. Yeah. And so I refused the pin. And by taking present moment actions, by keeping exercising my back, working it out, do continually doing the things I needed to do. Um, I went on to do over 4,000 live comedy sword fighting shows. Uh, the shows were done in 16 countries around the world. I have jumped off of, uh, tall buildings and landed in pads. I have been on fire. I have done all kinds of crazy, crazy things in my life all after that, just by, by keeping that mindset that took me into a study of mindset and, and how we achieve things. And is that about painting the picture in your mind of like my body is whole, I can, this is what I'm going to become like a real innate on the one level, an innate self-belief, but also really consciously imagining that thing coming together or that back healing. What was the it, access to that? That is absolutely part of it. But it, it, that that visual can take over your your life. And that visual that you have without present moment action is a daydream. It's not an actual action motion. Okay. Yeah. So you have to you have to make sure that you're not going, I am, you know, it's like it's like I'm I'm a believer that affirmations don't work. And and I'll tell you why. People think of affirmations. And I when I hear the word affirmation, I hear I'm shoring something up that is isn't solid. I have to affirm it. Right. Yeah. I believe in declarations. I believe you declare it and you do it, period. Or as Yoda would say in Star Wars, mm, do or do not, there is no try. Yes, right? Yes. Right? <laughs> you do what you have to do, right? And so when I look at that, I set a goal and I, and they're out there. I also completely understand that that goal is malleable. It can change at any given moment. But that change is my choice. I get to choose what I want in my life. So I stayed very present moment. What am I doing? I am blank. I am exercising my back. I am d- taking a two-mile walk today. I am 
learning to do the next style of sword fighting. You know, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. By stacking these present moment, I am moments of success behind me, I did over 4,000 stun shifts. And I can imagine that you had to be very real about those incremental steps. Yeah, yeah. Not focusing on the, I'm going to be completely better and and jumping (laughs) off a building, but the incremental steps that were going to lead to that and and celebrating each and every one of them right so so if you're if you're a morbidly obese person you can you can sit here and you can say you know i am a thin person but you still can't see your shoes yeah right right <laughs> right right but you can look down and say i am losing weight i am walking that extra mile i am you know doing the things that are keeping that that goal i am going to achieve that at goal but i am doing this because of that goal I yeah. am here and now living the present, the only moment I have, the only present moment I have. Yeah. Yeah. And what, um, have you, have you been in any movies that we might know or have you have done and done anything? I've you know, but it's like, of, everyone wants to know about the famous stuff. Don't yeah, they? Yeah. I've done a lot of, a uh, lot of B movies. The, the biggest one I was in was a movie called California with Brad Pitt. Uh, he was, yeah, a, I know the movie, he, yeah. he was a serial killer. I was a biker. <laughs> um, um, so that you can find me in the bar scenes and outside the bar and stuff like that. Um, mostly what I do is technical stuff is, is I'm one of the guys behind the scenes teaching bull whips or, or quick draw or nunchucks or martial arts skills. Yeah. Uh, Elizabethan sword play broadsword, stuff like that. I'm, I'm an expert in those skills. So I'm training actors usually. Oh, wow. So you can, you can wield a, a lightsaber or a, or a, or a flipping giant metal kind of sword. Well, one, of, one of my very good friends is actually a, um, a Jedi Knight. He's actually in one of the films as a Jedi Knight and has an action hero uh, figure named yeah. made for him. Is he, he's Joe Claude Dunva was his character name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And so, and how does a stunt man end up as a comedian? Because <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm a lover of comedy. I, I can't say I'm an aficionado. Right? I, don't, I can't, I can't reel off 50 different stand up comics, but, mm. um, from my early youth, I think it's probably inappropriately young, but, um, <laughs> Richard Pryor and, oh, yeah. uh, we touched on, on, on Robin Williams. Um, and, and obviously cut with my family connections in Chicago, uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and, sure. and, and my, my cousin Sheila, she's in the, in the, uh, in, in the stage shows and, and movies in, in Chicago. So I, I've, I've always had a love of comedy. I don't like serious movies either. Mm-hmm. If I've paid my six bucks or whatever it blooming costs now, <laughs> I want to come out happy. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to right. be sweaty and terrified <laughs> and crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, how did I get into comedy? I, I um, it's very interesting. When I when I first got into acting, I I was still a very young man, and and I was um, drug kicking and screaming to a Renaissance festival, and I'd never been to one in my life, and um, so I went to this Renaissance festival, and the guy guy who took me was already very much into them, and he said, "Well, well, we're gonna go, but you're you're gonna wear a costume." I was like, "What?" what? And he put me in a costume. And I went to the went to the festival and I was walking around all day and people were taking my picture because he put me in like full chain mail with a Viking helmet. Right. Right. So and I'm and I'm a six foot one. At that point I was two fifty and muscular. Yeah. So I look like a I look like a Proper film. Viking. Yeah. yeah. And I looked the part, right? Well, all day long I was this big intimidating character, and I started realizing that I could be a big intimidating character or I can be just a goofy, funny guy. So I started joking my joking that I was Darian the Barbarian, right? And I started playing <laughs> that. And the more I played with that, the more I really fell in love with the idea of just making people laugh. And then I went on and I created Sir Cyril the Chicken Hearted and all these characters that were sort of Monty Python-esque, really. Yeah. And um, as I went on, I just started loving that idea of comedies. And I started taking comedy sports, like, which is started like with second city and those guys in Chicago, the comedy sports um, set up. And then, so I started doing live improv games and, and hanging out with comedians all the time. Next thing you know, I put together my comedy show hack and slash, which was an iteration of several other comedy shows I had already done. Right. I had done a lot. And I was combining sword fighting and comedy because I wanted to, I wanted to do both. 
And so the Hack and Slash show went on to do um, shows all over the world, including uh, we did over 100 shows on the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan on USO tours. Oh, for the troops. All, all, all the way out. And we actually we were in the Anbar province when they said, don't go. We, you know, we hit every Marine base in the Anbar province. They put, loaded us into two helicopters, um, all of our equipment in one and us in the other. And they'd fly us out to these bases that are out in the middle of nowhere. And we'd perform sometimes for eight to 10 guys. And, you know, sometimes we'd be on bases with thousands, but yeah, they were flying us all over that country. And we did that for six, six tours total. Yeah, six just, tours. just helping those guys and girls get some release to some, get some laughter in themselves. That, that laughter. Is, that's, that is the tonic. A, a friend of mine, Pete can the laughter man he's introduced me to laughter yoga and blimey, we, we had, we had a blast the other day doing a podcast. Um, one of my, is a favorite scene of mine from the Mary Poppins movie when they're all laughing and they're all stuck on the ceiling because they're <laughs> laughing so much. Right. And that's the whole thing. It's like, we can, we can choose laughter. Like we don't, we don't even have to like right now you and me can start laughing, right? Just about right. And, and it would make us feel better. It's, it's right. an amazing gift we have as humans um, to be able to lift our mood through laughter. And, and you know, you know, mood, mood does determine your, how you feel in wave. It's like even the Beatles used to say um, life is a drag or it's heavy when they were down. Right. But you know, it's, and I have friends who are professional mimes and you know, you know, the old story, you know, if, if a, Mime is cutting down a tree in the forest and the tree falls backwards and hits the mime. Does anyone care? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but what I found interesting is they're so in tune with their bodies that th- there was this man was named Pepe from, from Norway. And he comes over and he's doing this extra this workshop on, on physical body and how the body works. And he says, come here. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to give me a minute. I'm going to get into state and you come over here and try to lift me. Now, I am a six foot one, 250, strong as an ox kind of guy. Pepe is a five foot three, 120 pound guy. And I walk over and I can't budge him. Uh, I can't lift him up. Now I could, I was, I've lifted 200, 300 pound guys over me, right? And this, this is a guy I can't lift him off the ground. He says, all right, let me do it again. So he, he changes, he, he, he recenters himself. I go over and I can pick him up almost not even closing my hands, just putting my hands under his elbows and lifting him. And it's like he, really easy lifting. The difference was in his first state, he was thinking of being a tree, focusing himself to the ground. In the second state, he was thinking of himself being a bird. And so his mental state determined how heavy he was. So when you're in a depressed state, you, you, you literally hang. I remember we talked about the divorces, my first divorce. I was driving home from work and I was hanging on my steering wheel like this. And um, <laughs> I suddenly had a thought because we were, we were now divorced. She had moved out yeah. and I'm just depressed. And suddenly I had a thought. I was like, she's not going to be home. And I was suddenly four inches taller. <laughs> yeah. Well, mindset is, is a trap for people who haven't mastered it yet. And I, I after my divorce, when I started team super dad, there was a very much a focus on single dads and helping single dads. Right. And I've moved away from that for, for a couple of reasons. Number one is that it's not just about single dads creating the life of their dreams. Like I really realize now that my goals for my life are the same as they were when I was a kid, let right. alone before I was married or after I was married. It's, it's, it's fall in love, have the house, cure the future, holidays, children, laughter, fun. Um, and, and it's about, how do we create all those things? Because so often men presume that it's just going to happen. Right. <laughs> and then they're upset that it hasn't failing to realize that to be an expert in all those areas is going to take a lot. And so team super dad is about answering that question. But and mindset. Go ahead. Well, mindset is just, is a pit because if it's okay, well, I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? Well, I'm not happy because I'm stuck in this in this marriage or this job or this. I've got a backache. Okay, right. So then you just it's a downward spiral, telling less and less people about what's real. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. Telling less and less people about it. So you're getting no support. You're getting no positive uplift from you from yourself. And the story that's rattling around your head is like validation of things not going that well. Right. So, and, and if you really look at it from an interesting perspective, a lot of that story that we're telling ourselves comes from other people telling us things in the past. It's our subconscious mind. But the interesting thing is our subconscious mind is the, the tool. It's a, it's a partner in our success. 
right? Because our, the way our subconscious mind works is when we consciously choose something, our subconscious mind kicks in to help us achieve it. And here's, here's the proof of that. Good or bad. Right, right. Good or yeah, bad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right? So here, and here, here's just a little test for your audience that, that'll, that'll prove that what I'm saying here. You know, if you've ever bought a car and you've chosen, you've chose what kind of car you wanted to buy or, or any big item, any item that you wanted to buy, you know, did you notice that after you chose it and before you bought it, that you started seeing that thing everywhere? That car started, you drive down the road and there's one of those cars and there's one yeah, of those. Of course, cars. yeah. Because your subconscious mind is kicking into what your conscious mind is creating, right? Now, if your subconscious mind is mired back here with, uh, you know, parents who told you, you you couldn't because of their own depression era thought pattern, right? And all these things, what's happening is you're now, there's a mire behind you and your mindset gets stuck in the I can'ts. And, you know, it, we talked a little bit earlier about Christianity. Jesus said, be born again. He didn't mean, you know, <laughs> anything but set down your past junk, stay in your present moment and and start something new, right? So, you know, I live in I live in Akron, Ohio, which is a 30 minute drive to Cleveland, Ohio. If I commuted to work every day, I would probably pass a thousand cars on the road. And every day I might see an accident off to the side of the road. But tonight on the news, there's going to be an accident on the news because it's the anomaly. What should be on the news is that ninety nine. 999 cars yeah. made it safely to their destination without a problem. That's miraculous, right? So our world is predominantly positive. It's just a matter of what you're focused on. So if you're focused on, I can't, I won't, I, I, I shouldn't, then you're not creating anything in your, in your present moment positively, right? Yeah. Your positive mind will give you exactly what you ask, what you believe in. And if yeah. you believe, that's why negative people always have something to be negative about. Yeah. And then they moan about it. <laughs> right. right. And, and if you call them on it, guess what happens then? You call them on it. They go to the next person and point at you and say, look what they did to me. You become the next negative thing. He wouldn't even let me be miserable. Like, right, right, doesn't right. He know what he does. <laughs> they wouldn't let me be miserable. That's funny. <laughs> no, it's tr so true, though. It is. So true. It is. Um, and I, I did a post the other day just about owning our language. And so I've just contributed to this book called Being Fine. Oh, and it's 18 short stories by men, their experience of hitting rock bottom and, and bouncing back. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the book being called Being Fine is, you know, how are you? I'm fine. Right. Not really being fine at all. And that, you know, that is mindset as well. People need to catch right. themselves because if it's, if it's a constant lie, I'm fine, but I'm not really fine, then you're associating being fine with with misery right with complete lack with right. with unhappiness with scarcity george, and then we and that's how suicide happens the, the comedian george carlin had a whole bit on the word fine he, oh really yeah he said he said uh how are you fine fine no you're not he says fine is a soft kind of flabby word i'm fine how's your hair fine Oh, I'm <laughs> gonna know? find that. What's what was the comedian called? Uh, George Carlin. He is he's long since dead, but he's he, bound to be on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, the guy, he's the guy who did the seven words you can't say on TV or radio. His whole bit on that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> he says it at high speed. I'm not gonna say it on your show. Oh, well. <laughs> well, we do on the we on the Friday we do the wrap up. Okay. The wrap up is full of uh it definitely has the E on the on iTunes that oh. it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's full of full of swear words, so so we're okay. okay. Um uh oh yeah, old comedians and stuff. I love I love I love I love watching watching comedy. Um we mentioned before uh, comedians in cars getting coffee with, with Jerry Seinfeld on Netflix. I've I flipping love that. Um just just to get real with those people, seeing first of all how raw and natural comedians can be with their with their humor it's like it's, it's no wonder poor robin williams went mad right. their 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 version of the world is <laughs> it's wild it's different to us but but the thing i love about comedians in cars getting coffee is in amongst the the chilled out banter there's just such hilarity just such mm. a just such a genuine com comedy between they between the seinfeld and whoever he's talking to yeah they find the world funny that's one of the things that i that I, in my life, I've been very grateful for is I, I, I find the world funny. I laugh at everything. Right. And 
one of the things we talk about the present moment thing is a lot of people, they don't find their world funny. And when they mess up, they beat themselves up over it, right? <laughs> right? And they go, I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. That's why I went bald, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so dumb, I'm so dumb. Another one. <laughs> right. And um, the reality of it is, is that that even though I'm so, you know, I, I had that thought. Are you still there? You kind yeah, of. Yeah, we just came back. We came right. in there, yeah. Um, the reality of it is, is that in those moments, the, instead of instead of wasting that next present moment on beating yourself up, you should go, well, that was silly. Why did I do that? <laughs> you know, because you know? I'm creating something new. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. The um, sorry, I was just trying to fix why, 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 why we went off there a you second. Do but um, you do. It no, that's like fine. It. The um, the the. But you know what? Let's 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 shift gears. That's a love that uh, podcast expression, uh, which means nothing really except it's a nice way to segue between two <laughs> two topics. But I love your honesty. This, all these experiences that you've had, yeah, you're now you now through the you've got your own F five as well because in Team Super Dad they got the fitness focus, finance, family, and fun. John Davis has his awesome. Uh, what? How do you call your five? Five Fs. The five Fs. Fearlessly focus with faith, follow through with flexibility. Love that. Um, mm. So you take all of your, and this is this is before, this is before anyone thinks we're about to get into a shameless plug here. That's not the case. This this work that you do inside of corporate companies is very much, and you're going to be able to put this much more eloquently, is very much about you know having people see their own powers inside of them, liberating teams to create new, you know, new, new futures, new next days, new, new projects. Um, And, and that's, you know, men can, can do this, not just in work, but in their families, in their social situations, in their romance. Like it really is about saying, hang on a minute, this isn't working and I can do something about it. So, so, um, Again, this is part of why I was so keen to, to to have you on and great to have you here. Tell us more about how your program works for people. And then we can talk about how, how dads can actually apply that in all areas of their life. Right. Well, well, it's cool because it, it is not just for corporation. It is for the individual as well. Yeah. Um, what this is based on is hacking your fight or flight response. Um, we all have a natural primal fight or flight response, which stops us from achieving. And basically everything that comes into our life, we assess it as a threat or not. And we have natural physical responses that that shut down, our, literally shut down our brain. You know, if you ever watch those wildlife shows like National Geographic or something on television, there's always that one episode with that gazelle that's out there eating that grass. <laughs> kind of looks like this. Right? <laughs> right? And then suddenly the predator cat hits the field. And that the first thing the gazelle does is go, oh, I gasp for air. They gasp for air. Well, whenever we get into a fear state ourselves, we have the same response. You know, you're a, you're a father. Did you ever see that time when that your, one of your kids almost fell down and you went, <gasps> and because you saw him almost get hurt? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a natural fight or flight response. That's part of your natural, uh, you know, primal instinct. And what's interesting is most people think when they're in a fear state, they can't breathe. They actually say it. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Well, it's not that they can't breathe. It's that it says their body is reserving air. Their lungs are full. And the reason their lungs are full is because they've taken a big gasp of air so that they can run further and faster. But if you take an actor and you put that actor on on stage and they forget all their lines and they have that fear moment of, oh, my God, what am I going to say now? They're trained. They're literally trained to exhale and relax all their muscles. And what it does is it shuts off the primal response and turns the brain back on. All their lines come rushing right back into their head because the brain, the lines are already there. But the, the thing is, it's it's a matter of shutting off that response. So in fearlessness, when I was talking to the soldiers on the front line, getting ready to go out and get shot at, I said, how do you go into a situation like that? And they say, well, we have to first set our fear aside. So they've learned how to compartmentalize their fear. And then they say, then I focus on my objective, what I'm trying to get done, right? When you're talking to a stuntman, he's standing on top of a five-story building, getting ready to jump. He's not thinking about getting hurt he's not thinking about the jump he's thinking about where he's going to land right? yes, the bag <laughs> he's looking at the pad going that's where i'm going right that's what you're focused on right so you got to fearlessly focus you get your focus and your positive focus because if you focus on negative as we said earlier you're going to get that you're going to get a negative outcome right so you get fearless by by releasing your fear 
And, and think about this fear. But when I ask people what fear is, my audiences, I get like dead silence until somebody in the back room will say false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Right. Right. And I don't buy that at all because fear doesn't come with evidence because fear is an emotional reaction to some future event that may or may not happen with the focus on it being negative. It's, it's simply negatively focused on certainty. So you can set fear aside because fear is a choice. So you shut off that primal response and you just set it aside, get focused on your outcome. So now you're fearlessly focused, right? And so can After we just that, pause you... there? On, sorry to interrupt. Can we just pause there? Because that's so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people, people listen to podcasts and there's just two guys talking and the words go past them. But particularly for people who experience anxiety and stuff, the way that you just summed up fear could be a real breakthrough for them. Yeah. yeah so can I you agree. just repeat that? Can you just break that down again? For them, that when they're feeling fear, they need to get that it's not actually real. It's just their interpretation of the situation. Fear is is not rooted in your present moment. It is rooted in some future event that may or may not happen. Fear is an emotional reaction to some future event that may or may not happen. That's the, but it deter, it's determined by you're focused on a negative outcome. Yep. So if you change the focus to a positive outcome, your fear naturally dissipates because you're no longer in that state of something negative, right? Yeah. Fear is a just just an emotional reaction, and yeah. so, and I and to to encapsulate it even smaller, it's just negatively focused uncertainty. Yes, I'm uncertain about what's happening, and I think it's going to be bad, you know. But as Shakespeare said, there is nothing good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. <laughs> good old Will, he knew it. <laughs> <laughs> really He's hard. a self-help guru. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he also said one of the quotes that gets bypassed a lot that I love in um, Hamlet when when Claudius is praying and lamenting over the fact that he killed his brother. He says, "Words without thoughts never to heaven go." So what you're saying, you've got to believe it. Which brings us to the third of the five F's. Aren't I slick? You are, <laughs> right? you are. Right? The third of the five F's is faith, belief, confidence. You have to believe it. Because um, if you're not believing what you're saying and doing and thinking, then you're not creating. Because as Jesus said, it's your faith that heals you. It's your belief. You know, he also, he also said, Jesus is a pretty amazing guy. But Buddha also said, what you think you become, you create your world. Right? Yeah. So you're creating your experience. But Jesus said... Um, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can ask a mountain to move and it will be, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But so it is literally about about your belief. What you believe is what you're creating. And fear is based upon a negative belief. So we got fearlessly focused with faith. The next one's one of the harder ones. It's follow through. You've got to actually take your present moment actions in alignment with those other things. And if you're not taking your present moment actions, like I said before, if I didn't take my present moment actions, I would I would be in a sedentary job right now or I would have killed myself because I would, couldn't get what I wanted to do in my life. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I would have given up. Mm -hmm. Right. But by doing those present moment things based upon my belief about what I was creating, my faith in what I was creating, I was able to do all the things that I've done. So fearlessly focus with faith, follow through. The last one is is the biggest of all of them, and it's flexibility. Something's always going to come up that seems contrary to what you're trying to achieve. Something always does. And if you can take that moment and remain flexible, you know, in my, when I'm doing my speeches, this, this is a whole nunchuck routine that I do. I do fancy, you know, the two rigid objects with a piece of flexibility in between. Right. <laughs> but the idea of this is, is that when something comes up, if you're, st if you stay focused on where you're going, you then realize that the thing that came up is only there because it's something that has to be addressed, encompassed, or gotten rid of because it's part It's part of the process of achieving what you're going for, right? So it, the reason it came up is because your subconscious mind said, hey, you got to deal with this to get that. But a lot of people get to that place and they go, well, I can't have, I can't have that now, so I have to give up. And you can't, you can't lose that moment, the momentum. You've got to realize that that thing came up because it's a part of the process of getting what you're going for. Yeah, and that dovetails for me into the with the point we covered about 
divorce and separation and, and, and moving on when if we're not flexible when that thing that comes up that doesn't look like the outcome we planned if we can't see it as oh well that's an interesting experience it's going to uh, that's going to leave me better prepared for what comes next if we have it just as oh no that's wrong that's broken that's the end then we're then we're left on our flipping knees dying that we're so unhappy about whatever happened instead of recognizing of course there's some sadness but instead of recognizing as wow that was an interesting experience i wonder what i'll be able to do with that next time well and check this out a lot of people when they have a a divorce you know they'll sit in their present moment and literally declare that that person was the love of their life well that's declaring that there's nobody better right Mm -hmm. that's literally declaring that there's nothing better than that so I, I reframe that immediately. As soon as I hear somebody say that, I say, they were the love of that part of your life. Yeah. They were that chapter, right? Yeah. And you're now from this point out, the tragic part is done. You've established that character. Now you're going to create the comedy, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Right? Well, and equally, if on a positive, for people looking to keep their relationship going or, or rekindle it, decide there's a new chapter here right and now like right. if you can get aligned on new goals and visions then boom that new chapter can be for both of you um everybody what- everybody in the world wants to be loved in some form and if you can if you can find out what's important to your partner and and, and express it early i'll tell you one of the things that i do is I, as i said earlier in my um in my speech i bring a person on stage and i teach them in five minutes time to crack a whip and take targets out of my hand yeah Actually, and you what, said earlier, you, you, you ask for someone who's not very confident on, you I, specifically ask for someone. Yeah. Specifically choose the most timid person I can find to yeah. do that. Now what's, what's really interesting about that is the idea that, that when <laughs> at one point <clears throat> I bring them to the stage and their first fear is being in front of their peers, being in front of all that, that audience. Right. So I bring them on stage and I say, isn't she a rock star? And I get the audience cheering for her. Right. So I immediately take the fear away. She's not going to look dumb because they already love her. Right. So I took that away. But when it gets down to the point where I'm in front of her, she's already cracked the whip and I'm holding a target. Her biggest fear at that point is hitting me. So I turn to her and I say, look at me. Did you hear it crack? And then she goes, they go, yeah. I go, so you already know how to crack it. You don't have to worry about that anymore. All you have to do is just look right here. And, you know, I, I, when I teach her to crack the whip, I'm talking about fishing, uh, casting her fishing rod. Right? Yeah. So look right here. Just cast your fishing rod. I promise you will not hurt me. And but when I give her that out, out of her fear, she hits it every time. Right. And I, I in the speech, I jokingly say, I go, uh, you know, sometimes when you're when you're guiding someone through the five F's, you got to lie to them. but the reality of it is is i have to realize that it's her experience that she's going through and by understanding where she's going going what she's going through and addressing the fear she has right away it takes that out of the equation and she can then get back into her brain by saying that i watched her exhale i promise you're not going to hurt me (sighs) okay good instant relief for her instant relief so she shut her fear down and she just did it Wow. Blimey, not to bring this always back to relationships, but people do that to each other oh, in oh, their relationships. Oh, so they sit there opposite someone thinking, I, I know I love them, but but I'm also terrified. <laughs> right, right, right. I am terrified. What is that creating? <laughs> you know, we said the I am moment earlier. Yeah. But if, if you can be the person who recognizes their fear. I, I was coaching a couple one time and. You know, the the wife called me up and she was always having a problem and she, about, you know, with her husband. And I realized as she was telling me the problem, the main problem wasn't that he didn't love her. The main problem was that he was afraid of her not loving him. And so I said to her, I said, you know what? Next time you start having a problem, I want you to turn to your husband and I want you to say, no matter what I'm going through, I will always love you. And they never had a problem since. Yeah, they never had a problem because every time they got an issue, you know, he, she would reinforce the fact because he would see like her her growth as a challenge to their relationship, right? You know, she would go out and she started doing. She ended up she was when I first met her, she was a um, she was agoraphobic. She she couldn't leave her house. You know, she dri- driving to the store was was like a 
all day struggle to even get to the go to the corner. Right. Street. Okay. By the time we ended up finished working with her, she did a solo trip to Africa, climbed a mountain, and hung out with gorillas. Nice. I mean, just by changing her mindset about what she was doing and what she was creating into her life. And it's the same thing in relationships. You know, if you're if you're in a relationship that's, that's limiting someone from achieving what they want, then you don't love them. You love what you want them to be. You know, you can't live their life for them. You know, it's the same thing. If you're going into a relationship, if you're in a relationship, you have to be you fully for them to love you. You know, mm. and if you're not you fully, then you're living their life and not yours. And your relationship is doomed to fail because they got together with you originally because they liked you. And then, yeah. and then you changed. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. This came up, <clears throat> this came up in another conversation just, just this week about it's okay to be all about yourself because that allows you to be all about others as well. So the two pieces have to be there, right? It's not just, you know, just going around being a selfish ass, but too often, you know, men have it like, I've got to look after everybody else. I've got to look after everybody else failing to realize that they haven't got the strength to look after everybody else because they haven't looked after themselves. So looking after yourself is okay because right. it helps you look after other people. And, and, and no one can say I am for you. Yeah. You know, you're the one who has to say the, I am, cause it's, you're the only moment you're the only one who can create your experience. Right. Um, I, I recently did an interview with a, with a lady who was a diversity and inclusion speaker. And I was telling her the story of um, driving home from the beach. One time I was driving back to Ohio from the East coast and I pulled over at a rest stop on the side of the road and there were these these two black men standing over in the shade. And I was driving my Jeep with its I have a Jeep that has a lift kit and big tires and the, the, whole, the whole whole bit. And I'm a yeah. big, burly white guy with a beard. Right. And I come around the parking lot and I see the shaded spot. I'm like, I'm going to park in the shade because I have the top off and I'm I'm pulling in. I see these two 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 black men and, and I stopped because I realized immediately by watching the tension in them that they were looking at what they considered a redneck in his big jacked up Jeep, you know, pulling yeah. in. So I stopped, I rolled down the window. Well, I rolled my, not the window, the doors open. I said, do you gentlemen mind if I share your shade? And I watched their fear go away. I watched. So by, by, by looking at their experience and knowing the, 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 the racial inequalities that, that they've experienced through their life. And by being, being a guy going, I see it and I respect you. And I don't have any animus t- towards you. It. I sat there and talked with those guys for about an hour. We talked about fishing and they wanted to know all about the Jeep. and all. Yeah, yeah. We had a great experience because I was empathetic towards their life experience. Yeah. And it's the same thing in any relationship you're in. You can live your life and you have to live your life to, and be fully you. But you also, if you if you choose to be in a relationship, you have to have empathy for the people around you. And understand what they're going through as well. And sometimes, sometimes a well-timed "Are you okay?" is all you really need to do. I, do you know, that is such wisdom. Are you okay? And it's about having a whole world perspective. Right. And I, I had to write an email to someone the other day, and it was about a problem. We, 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 we butted up against each other, and there was a problem. And I wrote this email, and it was quite direct, and and I'd been been direct on purpose because I wasn't. I wasn't being straight necessarily about how I was really feeling. So I got all of it out and then I was, and I, and I reread it and polished it up a little bit. And then I changed the subject to, are you okay? Mm. It's huge. Because actually what I, what I said in the middle of this email was you seem really worked up about this, which doesn't seem like you. So rather than us arguing, cause we've known each other for quite a while. Are you okay? Right. Cause I'd much rather, like rather than have this argument, right. I'd much rather know that you're all right and and be of be of support to you. And, and, and you know, went a really long way. It did, it did, yeah. and I don't know whether it fixed it on its own or whatever. But I, I really can see that something as basic as that was well, um, brought, brought a different outcome to that situation. Right. If you look at the situation, you get two people who are butting heads. Right. I, I just call them being butt heads myself, but <laughs> butting heads. Right. And what's really happening is they're both in defensive mode, which means they're both in fear mode. They're, they're, they're afraid of not being respected. They're not afraid of not being right. It's just fear. It's just fear, right? 
But because they're in fear mode, their brains are shut off, like I said earlier. If they would just take a breath and go, oh, oh, are you okay? Right? You know, it changes everything. It's interesting. I have a theory, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it's a theory that I, I like to work with, that um, addiction is people looking for just being okay. Because if you watch like a drinker, they'll get their, they'll get their drink, right? And yeah. they'll go, and they'll allow themselves to exhale. You get you get a smoker, and they go, and they allow them to exhale. And back in my days of being a pizza holic, I would eat my slice of pizza. Oh, it's so good. All of those things were were giving the sensation of not having my fear, yeah. not having their fear. So they're using the the substance as an excuse to not be fearful. Yeah. So that's a theory I'm working with right now. No, no, it makes sense. Like if you can see a situation where someone is releasing tension, then not only can you see that they were actually in tension, they were, they were experiencing tension, but then, but then something broke that. And so. um, And in hypnosis, they would call that an anchor. They've chosen that is the anchor that gives them the release. Wow. Yeah. Well, and we should all pay attention to those things, both in ourselves and in the people around us. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Wow, John, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, um, thank you. I've loved, people, I've loved it. I've loved our conversational way of going about really important topics. Oh, brilliant. And so you, people can book you to speak as well as your actual going in and doing your inner action 5Fs uh, work as well. So where, where can they come and come okay, and get well, hold of you? The easiest stuff? way to get a hold of me is corporateactionhero.com. But I want to offer your audience something. Okay. Um, and it, it's and I'm going to say this correctly. This is a free gift. And I say when I say free, the word free means that you give nothing for it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a link that you can go to the website and download the 5F workbook. And when I say free, I mean, you don't have to give me your email address or anything. You just go there and download it. I'm not asking for anything, right? But here's the deal. That 5F workbook is designed to help you go through your 5F process, help you achieve more in your life. But here's, here's the only thing I'll ask that if you're, you're going to be on my site anyway, just look around. Just look around, check out, see what you want. You're going to find there's a daily vlog. I put up a motivational video every day. Every day there's a, a new video on my vlog. There's also, also a page called the Heroes of Achievement where I interview people I find impressive and uh, people who made an impact on my life. So it's a very new thing. I think there's only five or six heroes in there right now but because I'm very picky about who I put in there. But you want to make sure that you, you know, just look around. That's the only thing I'll ask. But I don't want anything from you. Amazing. Okay. Well, uh, listen, for those watching, I posted the uh, corporateactionhero.com URL in the chat. So you can just click that. And uh, if you are listening, well, then as soon as you pull over uh, (laughs) (laughs) or put down that sharp knife, uh, you can go and visit. I will will have to make sure you get the, um, the free gift link separately because it is a separate link. That's not, it's, you can't find it on my webpage. It's actually hidden just for you guys. Oh, okay. Uh, It's, it's a, I'll send it to you in just a second here. Let me let me get it for you. I got it here, John. You got so, it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Free free gift HTML or something like that. Free underscore gift, I think. So for those watching. There it, it is. is. In fact, you might want to go to the teamsuperdad.com, um, to the blog or to the Facebook page, Team Superdad. Uh, but it is corporateactionhero.com forward slash free hyphen gift hyphen page dot html <laughs> john i'm going to teach you how to do an easier <laughs> link for that <laughs> when you want to just go forward slash free <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's good that's good <laughs> or forward slash gift okay we'll I, like, work on... I like i like the free I like to... yeah we'll, we'll work on that when uh when we when we say goodbye in a second um but that's absolutely brilliant and you know there's there's listen if you search john davis and corporate action hero there is his content all over the web so oh yeah you search corporate action Hero, you're gonna get three or four pages of google on me exactly exactly i've had a look it's all there it's all good stuff uh so john thanks again so much uh i'm gonna say goodbye to the team super dag uh crew uh goodbye to you sir thank you it's been an absolute pleasure and had a great great deal of fun i hope we can do it again sometime
another brilliant conversation there. I just love having these people on. It's getting, on the one hand, harder to get good guests, but on the other hand, easier because there's so many more people podcasting or people who want to come on podcasts. If you've heard someone who's awesome, uh, maybe you are someone who's awesome, but if you, basically, if you know or ask someone who wants to come on the Team Superdad podcast, then let me know. I will get in touch with them, invite them on, and we will get them to contribute and add value to the Team Superdad community. The community, if you aren't already a member, is over on Facebook. It's a free space for dads, worn out, busy dads who want more from their life. That is certainly me. That's the journey I'm on, and I'm taking you guys with me. I hope you've enjoyed this. Pass it on. The wrap-up, of course, the wrap-up, our weekly laughing, our end-of-week check-in and banter is uh, is coming up. And blimey, it's coming up tomorrow. We'll be recording that. It's a Valentine special. We've got a lady. We've got a lady on with us. Amy, her name is. Well, she's supposed to be on. We're just trying to work out uh, our schedules. But um, it's all about fun. Like, at the end of the day, all this growth stuff, mindset, working out, sorting out our finances getting on top of our game it's all really important but it doesn't matter for anything if we're not having fun doing it so wherever you are today make the most of it have some laughs have some giggles get on top of your game and really live the life you desire not the life you feel stuck in i'll see you next time team super dad out bye this has been team super dad Find us at TeamSuperDad.com. Join the program and create the best life ever for you and your children. You are not alone. You're on Team Super Dad.